Make your plans now to join us for the G3 National Conference, September 30th through October 2nd, as we'll gather for Christian fellowship and the worship of God through song and the preached word. Our theme for the 2021 conference will be centered on biblical Christology. You can find registration details at g3men.org. Get 15% off by mentioning code G3BAR. That's G3BAR. Make your plans now to join us for the G3 National Conference, September 30th through October 2nd, as we'll gather for Christian fellowship and the worship of God through song and the preached word. Our theme for the 2021 conference will be centered on biblical Christology. You can find registration details at g3men.org. Get 15% off by mentioning code G3BAR. That's G3BAR. the bar come on and pull up a seat and open up your bible what a wonderful feast the living bread and we're discussing what it means for the streets the inner cities and the burbs and every person we meet this is where we tell us worldviews that we hear from world news in light of the scripture we are here to serve you we're your source for resources to help you on your way as you battle mean forces this is for the people who can see the importance of sound theology and the scripture that support it and this is for the truth lovers biblically reforming preaching christ to the nations yeah welcome to the modern the Reformation, yeah. The Bar, Biblical and Reformed. Welcome everybody to The Bar. It's your boy, Dwayne in the building. Right back in here again, doing it how we doing it, man. And I'm excited to have one of my brothers, man, one of my guys from uh, the actual Be Not Deceived team, Mr. Jonathan. How are you this afternoon, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good, good, man. Good to have Jonathan on the line with us. Uh, if you follow the page on Facebook, the Be Not Deceived page, Jonathan is usually the guy that's responding to your crazy comments. If you're saying something crazy, Jonathan is all over it. That's my man. That's that's what we got him on the team. Uh, I appreciate you holding it down for us, Jonathan, man. I, I appreciate all your hard work. I want to say that on, on, on the air, brother. Oh, well, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I appreciate the... Uh you trusted me and giving me the power to do that. So it's great. <laughs> yeah, man. Good stuff. It's, it's, it's sometimes it's entertaining, man, to, uh, to, to see the interactions. Um, because you know, when you're dealing with, uh, uh, any kind of apologetics, you know, there's some crazies out there and we're very familiar with it and, um, you handle them very well. So this episode is a special episode. Um, it's going to be different than anything you ever heard come from the bar. Um, and that's what I like. I like different, man. I like, uh, the variety, you know, uh, Jonathan, he brings a, a whole nother flavor, man. And, and that's one of the reasons why I had to have him with me. Uh, but Jonathan came to me, uh, man, Jonathan was been about a month ago since when we started talking about this. Yeah. Yeah. About a month ago. Uh, he, he threw this thing out here and see first, let, let me, let me get a disclaimer before we even start. I I was a C to B average kind of kid in school, so uh, all all the C to B average people that are listening, no worries. I will ask your dumb questions, so no worries. I'm just gonna put that out there from the jump. But uh, we're we're gonna talk about and and help, correct me if I'm wrong, Jonathan. Quantum physics and the glory of God. Is that right, brother? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much Woo. it. <laughs> wow. 
Look, I even had to rehearse how to say that, y'all. So this is going to be interesting. Uh, Jonathan has been uh, doing, you know, some research and, and looking into some things and, and seeing how it all ties in. And uh, and I want to kind of kick it over to you, Jay. First, I want to hear what got you started, I guess, in it and then what what made the tie for you and then we'll get into some of the details that you got in this uh, uh elaborate outline that you sent me <laughs> all right well um i guess just my own nerdiness is what sort of kicked off a lot of this <laughs> thought process mm-hmm. um you know i have a background in physics a little bit as far as my education at some point i thought i might become a physics teacher um, the teaching part kind of turned me off a little bit. It, it's just too much work for too little money is what it kind of came down to. But the science mm-hmm. part has always been something that I've loved because I love studying God's creation. And, um, you know, so I sort of kept up with that and, and uh, you know, listened to different studies and different experiments that are coming out in some of the, you know, edge, more advanced levels of physics and I have enough background to sort of understand what they're talking about, and I love following that stuff. So, you know, I just started thinking, hey, you know, a lot of this stuff is actually surprisingly things that are mentioned in Scripture, and some of the conclusions they're coming to are confirming things that are in the Bible thousands of years ago, and we're on the fringe of physics finding these things out. And I just thought that those connections were interesting enough that even those that may not be big fans of physics would be interested in hearing about them. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it, it got my attention um, because from the jump, you know, like I told you when we kind of chatted up last week, you know, we're kind of taught or you, you, it's almost understood that if it's scientific, it can't be biblical, you know, as if, you know, you had to separate the two. And and even, you know, that that's kind of the, the mind frame that I had, you know, even though I, you know, say, say sanctified like the people say, I just I, I didn't know that there could be a connection between the two. So let's talk about, I guess, that part, you know, the science and the Bible just in general. Right. So the first thing is, like, where does that conflict come from? And where that really comes from is if you look at the scientific method and how it works, and pretty much anybody that knows anything about science has heard about the scientific method. You know, you have to get this idea, and then you basically go and try to disprove it. And in order to do Mm -hmm. that, you know, if you fail to disprove it, eventually it might become a theory, and then, you know, it takes a lot of testing. But you really have to be neutral to be a good scientist. The problem is, while it might be easy to be neutral if you are talking about, like, how fast is something going to fall when I let go, or, you know, something about rocket science or something, you know, you can be neutral about those things. Those are just, like, velocity and whatnot. But when it comes to the origin of the universe, it starts to become mm-hmm. very hard to be neutral because, I mean, you know, we, we're both quite familiar with Romans 1. You know, it says, for the wrath of God is mm-hmm. revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. What they know about God uh, is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In these things they have been made so they were without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged. 
exchanged the glory mm-hmm. of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And so, you know, whether you are the pagan out there coming up with some kind of weird pantheon of, of moon gods or whatever, or you're the mm-hmm. scientist in the ivory tower of Harvard coming up with, well, our ancestors were fish, um, you know, it kind of all comes down to the same source. No one is neutral. We all hate God and want to suppress that truth. And so science sort of goes out the window when it comes to, you know, doing good science at least goes out the window a little bit when you're talking about origin. It's not just Christians Mm. that are biased in that area. Right, right. Yeah, I can see that, man. I can see that being the the major conflict um, because it's kind of like a pre-sub, you know, going into it. You know, you don't you don't give it a fair shake on both sides. Yeah, that's dope. So I guess um, I guess how would Christians know, you know, what I guess how to decipher that or how to how to approach that, you know, the, the science in the Bible and stuff. Right. So as far as that goes, you know, kind of comes down to our theory of knowledge. How do we mm-hmm. know what we know? And the atheist will tell you that it's by reason. Well, how do you know that your reason is valid? Well, because, and you sort of end up going in a little (laughs) circle where your own reasoning is why your reasoning is valid. Well, we as Christians have a nice little circle of ultimate authority ourselves. God told us in the Bible. Well, and that's, that might seem circular. All the Bible tells me that. But if you think about it, any kind of, ultimate authority that you have sort of has to authenticate itself. If I have something that authenticates my ultimate authority, then whatever that thing is, is my ultimate authority. Is ultimate authority. So, yeah, that makes sense. At, at some point you have to stop and say, this is it. The buck stops here. And as believers, that's got to be the word of God. We don't have anything right. to go to. No, there is no higher authority than what God has revealed to us. And so we know what we know because it's what the Bible says. Um, So when we go to approach science, science is just us trying to find what the truth is. So Mm -hmm. we're going to expect that science is going to align with the Bible. So there's no reason for us to be afraid of science. If science presents to us a conclusion that is completely contradictory to the Bible, then it probably means that we just don't understand it well enough yet, or we're missing Mm. something because the ultimate truth is going to be in alignment with God's revealed truth. Wow. Yeah. That you, they said something right there, man. Um, because I, that's, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Like, you know, you don't want to, mess with science and, 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 and it might contradict the Bible or, it, you know, or this don't line up with that. But, but when you said that, you know, it's cause you don't understand it well enough, man, that's, that's good, man. That'll preach. Somebody going to take that and, and, and put a B3 hammer behind that. Cause that, that's pretty good, man. I like that. So let's keep moving, man. Let's keep moving. So let's, let's go to, uh, I guess, uh, one of the things that, that comes up a lot. That's in a lot of debates. Um, you know, uh, and it's your next point, by the way, <laughs> just in case you wonder, uh, the, the creation timeline, man, let's talk about that because I, this is one that I really want to hear because, uh, you know, just dealing with seeing it day to day being debated online and seeing these, you know, new, uh, what is it? Young earth, old earth guys. So let, let's talk about that a little bit. Right. Exactly. So, so there's this, 
idea sort of going on around in some Christian circles where we're going to, well, so evolution demands that it's millions and millions of years and the universe is billions of years old and all that. And so, you know, because, well, science has told us that this is absolutely true. And so now we have to go back to Genesis 1 and we have to figure out mm-hmm. some way of putting it in there. I mean, you know, there's this idea that between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, there's this gap of billions of years. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it was billions and billions and billions and billions of years. And then the earth was formless and void and so on and so forth. And we go forward from there. Right. Um, yeah, okay. Where do you get that from? Well, that's just taking what science has made claims about and then just stuffing it in there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I mean, that might not be the worst thing in the world because as long as you're sticking with the seven-day creation and death doesn't come until sin comes, okay, but that's sort of not where the science is putting in millions of years anyway, so why are you even bothering? I don't know, but they do it anyway. Um, <laughs> right. But but then the one that that really kind of irritates me a lot is this idea of the day-age theory, which is, well, these seven days are actually sort of symbolic of millions of years each. Right. So like, okay, how did plants exist for millions of years before insects and pollinate? <laughs> well, I don't know, man, but, they, they were, they, you know. And here's that, the thing. You know, when, uh, well, let me cut y'all real quick. I'm sorry. Yeah, let me yeah. cut y'all. That, you, that was the light bulb, man, because my, you know, God bless parents and stuff. But whenever I couldn't figure out the thousand years, my dad was like, you know, one day is like a million years or a thousand years. And, and that, that plant thing reference right there. God, I, I wish I'd have known that back then, man. I just, <laughs> that is classic, man. I never thought about that. Never thought about that. Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. I'll get, I get excited. No, 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 believe me. I've heard, I've heard that passage. Which is, that's talking about being patient with the Lord's second coming. It has nothing to do with the creation historical account. And, and wow. that really is what it comes down to. I mean, when you're looking at Genesis 1, what type of literature is that? It's history, mm-hmm. which means it's Ooh, deliberately yes, telling you a historical story. It's not just like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, God owns the cow on a thousand hills sort of nice, you know, vague statement. It's specific. Mm-hmm. Here is what happened. And here's the thing. When you read the story, what does it say? Morning and evening. The first day, the second day. Like the the way that that language is structured is not vague. How many mornings and evenings are in a million years? More than one. <laughs> right? <laughs> you right, know? right, right. So so what you're doing here is you're taking a clear history and you're doing violence to the text in order mm-hmm. to fit in what man's input is you know, into what the text says. And they're just not wow. compatible. Wow, wow, wow. That's good, brother. That's good. Oh, go ahead, man. Keep going. I, 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 let me, I got to recoup. Keep, keep moving. You good. You good. Go ahead. All right. So, you know, so this is, this is where we see where Scripture is clearly contradictory to the common scientific theory. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, then we go out and we use our knowledge of scripture and we use science and we try to get a better understanding. So as I was doing some research, I came across this guy who's a Christian. He is, he's got a PhD in physics. He has 
studied astrophysics and tried to come up with a model of the universe that is consistent with both scripture and with scientific knowledge. Now, I'm not necessarily sold on his theory for sure, because it's, mm-hmm. it's a theory. We have no idea, right. like very little idea of what's going on out in the universe beyond what we right. can just sort of see through a telescope. But here's the thing. If we were going to make a theory, we need to do it in the way that he's doing it. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to share a little bit about that theory, and you, know, you, you guys can check it out further. Um, it's by Dr. Russell Humphreys. He wrote this book called Starlight and Time. Um, you know, not necessarily saying everything and this is correct. In fact, he says, this is not correct. This is just a theory, right? So this, this is, oh, um, nice. You know, this is just this is just a theory that I'm putting forward. It's consistent with Scripture, but and it starts with Scripture, and that's what we need to do. At some point in the future, Lord willing, we may discover more about our universe, but whatever we discover, it might be different than this, but it's going to be consistent with Scripture. So... Mm. So the biggest problem that he's trying to address here is stars are billions of light years away, right? Mm-hmm. So if the light takes billions of years to get here, the universe has to be billions of years old. Seems very simple, right? Well, maybe not. The theory of relativity tells us that a high amount of gravity essentially slows time down. You can even do this experiment on Earth. It has been done where they will take atomic clocks, which are extremely accurate, and they will put one at sea level and one up in the mountains, just on our own planet. And you can tell a time difference. It's not a big one, but you can tell that there's a difference, just because of an altitude change. So it is not the same time everywhere. (laughs) And in fact, it's common that, you know, anyone that works with GPS satellites will will tell you that they have to actually put in... um, time dilation adjustments, or else the GPS will not sync correctly to ground time hmm. because they're up in orbit. Um, and again, those adjustments aren't very big. But even in orbit, we can detect a time difference. So, you know, this guy's looking at that and saying, okay, well, what if the Earth is sort of in the center of the universe and not like, you know, everything rotates around the universe, but just as we look out into space, we sort of see everything kind of looking about the same, no matter what direction that we look in. So that means that Mm -hmm. either it's infinite or we're close enough to the center that we certainly can't see the edge of it. If there is an edge. And then he goes to scripture and he says, well, scripture says that God has numbered all the stars. If God is numbering all the stars, then that means that there must be a certain number. Big, big number, right. but it's a finite number, so it can't be infinite. So it's, that means we're probably mm. more close to the center. So he's reasoning from Scripture to build a cosmology that is consistent. And then he basically is saying, okay, if we're near the center and there's a finite amount, then we're probably in the middle of this, which means that like all that gravitational energy is going to be highly focused in the center, kind of like a gravity well, it gets deeper in the middle. If you can mm-hmm. picture like this funnel. So at the so if we're here at the bottom of this gravity well, time is going to be going a lot slower here on Earth than it is out in the edges, billions of right. years away. And here's the other thing. Hmm. Space is actually getting bigger. Now Really? 
yeah, space is getting bigger. And this, is, this has been proven. That every, when we look out in the universe, everything is red because whatever light's coming gets stretched out, and the red color is sort of the longest wavelength, and so it all gets mm-hmm. shifted out. They call it red shift. And that's not just because everything is moving away from us, which it is, but it's also because literally space is being stretched. And the Bible says that God has stretched out the heavens. So that's actually something that we would expect <laughs> to have happen. <laughs> right. But like, how, how, how much science would we have to know to be able to detect that? I mean, that's something within the last hundred years that we would have been able to te- detect, that the universe is expanding and literally space is getting bigger. And yet the Bible told us mm. that a long time ago. Long, long time ago. <laughs> right, right. And so wow. if it's getting bigger, it used to be smaller. And if it was smaller, then that gravitational effect would be larger. And what uh, what Dr. Humphreys had calculated is that it seems at least reasonable that given the relativistic effects of gravity on time, that the universe could actually be billions of years old on the fringes while still only being, you know, a couple of weeks old in the middle. And so that Adam would have seen stars billions of light years away is actually not that unreasonable given the time dilation effects that could have been happening. So that's just one possible explanation. I mean, um, and again, as we discover more about relativity and space and gravity, how it works out there and between galaxies and all that, I mean, there could be other explanations, but again, that is a way of putting together the scientific evidence with the biblical evidence and not just slamming the two at, at loggerheads against each other. Wow. Wow. That's a, if it, I mean, even if it ain't, ain't correct, I, I like, I like the way he think though, man. I like the way he, uh, he put those two together. I, I definitely, uh, I'm going to have to Google him. He probably, he probably do have any, uh, videos or anything. Cause you know, yeah, he actually has some videos and stuff on you. He he's got some stuff up on YouTube, some talks and stuff that he's done. Okay, um, you know cool. I've, I've been able to listen to those, and and of course, I mean you, you could go and get his book. I um, you know Ken Ham did the forward to his book, so you can probably link to him off of answers the answers in Genesis page as well. So um, I mean he's definitely uh-huh. well known in creation science circles for sure. Nice, nice, good deal, man. Good deal. Uh, let's see. What's the next part? The uh, let's see. I'm trying to look at my notes, y'all. Jonathan, Jonathan's keeping me tight, y'all. Know I fly off the hip. <laughs> but, uh, so, but, as far but as, yeah, the next thing, yeah, the next thing I wanted to talk about was just sort of a counterexample because I presented a couple things where, you know, all right, where science and the Bible seem to conflict, and we just have to side with the Bible. Well, here's something where there are claims that are made that the Bible says a certain thing. And science definitely says the opposite. And this is not like theory. This is like we have video of this. (laughs) Um, And and that's sort of the the geocentrism and the flat earth thing. Um, Uh, And yeah. So I just want to sort of do this segment because I think it's important to see how not to do this. Um, Mm -hmm. And and they give a perfect example of how not to do it. so I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures out here that, that these people point to. But basically, you know, if you haven't run into them online, you probably will at some point. They're called the flat earthers or geocentrists or whatever. And basically they 
will say that the Bible says the earth is flat and therefore the earth has to be flat. And they'll present evidence and then they'll say, basically, there's a massive global conspiracy that says that the earth isn't flat. And everyone who has ever taken any sort of measurement over any sort of distance has to be in on this somehow. Um, but, you know, there it is. Um, but, you know, they're saying, well, we got to go to Scripture first. And, you know what, in principle, I totally agree with that statement. We do have to go to Scripture first. But we also have to use it consistently. So they'll do things like they'll go to Joshua 10. And, you know, anybody who's been to Sunday school has seen this story where, you know, the children of Israel are trying to fight, you know, over the, over the Amorites. And, and the sun stood still at Gibeon. And, and it was about a whole day that the sun stood still in the midst of the heavens. And they'll quote that. And they'll say, see, the sun moves, not the earth. And mm-hmm. then they'll quote stuff like from the Psalms where it says, the Lord reigns, he's robed in majesty. The Lord is robed, he is gifted with strength. Yea, the world is established, it shall never be moved. And, you know, there's a few mm-hmm. different passages that say something like that. Um, and then they'll also quote from the temptation of Jesus, where Satan takes Jesus up on a very high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And they're like, see, you can't see all the kingdoms right. of the world on a spherical earth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yep. so it's like, well, wait a second. They seem to be going to Scripture first. So how, do, how are we going to reconcile this? Because... I'm committed to Scripture. Scripture tells me the earth is flat, and the earth is flat no matter what man says, right? So is that mm-hmm. is that is that how we're going to handle this? Because I'm pretty sure people have, like taking pictures. I mean, we're, are we all supposed to be crazy as Christians? Like, oh my gosh, that you know, you think the earth is flat? Ha ha ha! That's so funny. You know, I mean, this is a fringe group. Are we as all Christians supposed to believe this? Well, yeah. So so here's where we have to kind of look at these things. There's basically three different categories that we can look at in regard to these interpretations. Mm-hmm. One of them is a historical narrative. The sun rose. Uh, okay. We say this mm-hmm. today. I mean, here's the fact. These are telling us stories about something that happened in history from the perspective of the people that lived it, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, Moses wrote this book. He was there standing there watching right. the sun, not moving, right? So right. this is a thing that actually happened. Now, is he trying to teach us about cosmology here? No, he's trying to teach us about what happened that day. You know, that's right. his common statement. We don't, you know, we don't use things like this, you know, just because it says, oh, the sun, the sun stopped. Well, if you tell your kid to stop moving while they're in the car, are you going to accept the back talk of, well, I can't stop moving, Dad. The car is moving at 60 miles an hour. <laughs> no, you're going to sit like I told you to. <laughs> that that sounds like a slap coming. Important. Can't stop moving. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. So, that, and that's something I would say. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, and here's the thing. The Bible uses earth as a reference frame for motion, which is a perfectly valid mm-hmm. thing to do. We do it literally all the time. It does not compel us to say that the sun is, you know, moving around the stationary earth that is literally still with relation to everything else in the universe and everything else is moving around us. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. We, in everyday language, always use wherever we happen to be as our point of reference because we're sort of self-centered like that. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, we 
don't have to be strictly accurate physics textbooks every time we open the Bible. Um, it's not right. a science textbook. So, and then there's, the, and then, so another one is poetry, right? So, mm-hmm. um, a couple of the things, and I was just sort of skipping through, but, um, one, one talks about that the, uh, that God has set the earth on its foundation. So it should never be shaken. And that's in Psalm mm-hmm. 104, 5. And then there's one in Job 9, 6, that says, um, who shakes the earth from its place and its pillars tremble. So, if we're going to take this poetry super literally that it can't be moved or whatever, does yours have a foundation or does it have pillars? Because that's not the same thing. So, <laughs> that's true. Is this a contradiction wow. in scripture? Uh-oh. Or maybe we're not in supposed to be reading this as super literal. It's just saying, right. Hey, the earth is a pretty darn solid thing compared to like everything else in our world. As we see, you know, I can hit this tree and knock it over eventually. I can throw this rock, but can you move the earth? No, no. you can't. <laughs> <laughs> right. It doesn't matter what it's doing in the universe right now. The point is, <laughs> you puny little person, Job, can't move the earth. Sorry. Um, right. So, you know, we, we can't be taking things that literal. And, you know, you'll see other passages like this. says God has wings. Does God have wings? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. we're not supposed to use this as super literal. God is not some kind of gigantic bird thing. Um, right. Neither is Jesus a a wooden object with hinges in the doorknob. You know, <laughs> the door. He's the door. But let's just not take that too literally here. You know, right? So we <laughs> we understand language and context enough. Mm-hmm. And then and then there's some inference stuff like so. When Satan took Jesus to the mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the earth, does that mean the earth must be flat? Well, okay. If it's flat, what mountain? Uh, is that Mount Everest? <laughs> because if you go on the top of Mount Everest, you still can't see all the kingdoms of the earth. In fact, it's probably That's too true. cloudy, and it probably wouldn't be so good for Jesus' human body breathing up there. So, I mean, no matter what you're doing with this passage, you're doing something supernatural with it. Um, yeah. Or you're just speaking hyperbole. I mean, maybe it was some kind of like portal vision where it just sort of opens up and you see different things. Or maybe it was just look at what you can see around this mountain and I'm going to say that that represents the whole earth which I'm offering to you. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what it literally looked like, but right. there's no way for you to take this literally for it to be a literal mountain that you literally see every point on earth from because no such mountain exists. And so it's just a poor argument. Um, the line of reasoning breaks down very fast when you start really thinking about what they're talking about here. So the point is, this is how you abuse Scripture. You're coming Mm. to Scripture with an idea, and here's the thing. It's exactly the same thing that the people are trying to do to fit day-age stuff into Genesis 1. You're Mm -hmm. bringing Mm -hmm. to Scripture an idea that it's not directly teaching you. And so we need to be starting with Scripture, and Scripture is not super explicit about the cosmology of the earth. I mean, it talks about the Lord sitting about the circle of the earth, and circle does not necessarily mean flat plate. It can work with any kind of circular object, including spheres. So, you know, there's really nothing explicit dealing with the cosmology that we would have to say, oh, 
this is absolutely the way it is. So we are free then to go out and discover and take pictures and say, oh, that's what it looks like. You know? <laughs> and, and then we can right. go back to the Bible and say, oh, I can understand Scripture and I can understand it is consistent with that, and that when it says the sun rises, it actually means the earth turns. But we're not really being that particular because that's not really what it's trying to tell me anyway. Um, there's no violence being done to scripture at all in in that kind of understanding. Wow, and see that's that's very very popular now, uh, especially in the you know conspiracy theory circles and things of that nature uh and i i'd be real man you know first couple you know youtube videos i watched i was like dang this this might be you know <laughs> like like without without any any further i'm like dang like like it almost made me short of breath like dang you know we in a bubble or something like what what's going on here so that i'm glad you broke that down man because you know uh like you said when you when you use that approach of scripture uh you can pretty much uh, put in it what you want to put in it, you know? Um, and, exactly. and, you know, we talk about this a lot of times here, uh, you know, with the, the these uh, groups, these Hebrew Israelites and and uh, uh, conscious community groups, you know, they, they use scripture and they, but they use, you know, verses that are historical. They use it as, you know, prophetic, you know what I'm saying? And, and so like, that that's a really really good point, man. That you made, and I'm glad uh, I'm glad you did that, man. I hope you guys are are eating this up like I am, cause cause I'm just here like just just taking this all in. But before we go to the next part, I want to take a little brief break right here to uh, a little commercial break for one of our network partners. Uh, right after this. Hey, this is Drew from the Gotham Central Podcast. Tune into our show each week as Mike, Ross, and myself bring you all the latest news and reviews from your favorite DC Comics television show, Gotham. Listen in as three aspiring Reformed theologians discuss some of the best story arcs, comics, and movies in the Batman universe. You can check out the Gotham Central Podcast on iTunes, join our Facebook group called Gotham Central, and follow us on Twitter at Gotham underscore Central. We hope you tune in each week. Same bat time, same bat place. All right, we're back, man, and I'm in here with my main man, Jonathan, one of my members uh, at the Be Not Deceived team. Make sure you check us out on Facebook. Just search Be Not Deceived, and if you say something crazy on our post, Jonathan will be in the inbox with you, or he will be on the comment hollering at you. <laughs> in love, though. In love. Hopefully. In love, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah in love. You, you do a good job. Area, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You do, you do good, man. You do good man but Jonathan has been uh, you know they, we don't have a whole bunch of commercials so you know he's been uh, talking about science and the bible and we talked about some flat earth stuff and we talked about some creation and 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 you know all of that good stuff all this stuff is just really really good and uh we're gonna go to I guess what, what I would call the meat and potatoes man because you know when I hear this word man I, I just think science fiction man when I hear quantum physics I just think you know I don't know X file. I don't know what I think, Jonathan, but help me out with this, brother. Let's go into this quantum physics side. Uh, it just sounds smart, man. I think that might be the the title of the of the show, man. I'm, I'm gonna get some I'm gonna get some images to to make this thing look 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 nice. But go ahead, Jonathan. Go ahead. Let's get into the <laughs> quantum physics side. Go ahead. All right. Yeah. Awesome. So here's what here's kind of what I want to do since we sort of spent some time talking about how you sort of have to start with scripture. And then you go to science, and, and, and you have to make sure that you're checking yourself with that. So, um, you know, and, and that's really important. I'm going to say with this quantum physics stuff, 
I am speculating, okay? Um, mm. I am seeing these things that science is coming out with, and I'm going back to Scripture, and I'm saying, that sounds a lot like this. But I'm not mm-hmm. saying, like, oh, this is definitely this thing. Like, this is what the Bible is talking right. about. Um, I don't know. I'm just observing things and noticing that some things are connected. So if somebody hears what I'm saying and thinks I'm being super dogmatic about it, I am not. Um, but <laughs> I think it's, I think there's some cool connections to be made and, but I just want to sort of disclaim a little bit of this. I think it's neat, but I'm not being super like, oh, this is absolutely true that you definitely have to hold to these ideas. Um, Right. But here's the thing. As we dig into the inner workings of God's universe, I would expect to see things that are consistent with God's word. And so I've seen these things. I think they're consistent with God's word, so I thought I would highlight them. That's, that's what I'm kind of trying to do there. Um, gotcha. So, so just to give you an idea of what quantum physics is, um, the word quantum does, that, does not mean like a huge leap. Because, like, you always hear this, oh, there's a quantum jump forward. Quantum leap. Yeah, quantum leap, right? So every time somebody says, oh, there's a quantum jump forward, think really, really, really tiny leap that couldn't possibly get any smaller. And that's what it actually Mm. means. And that's, like, the opposite of how everyone uses it. But if you think of it that way, it's sort of funny every time you hear someone say it, you just laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's literally what it is. it's, It's about a fixed interval not about like a huge amount Um, because what this is talking about is, um, you know, in Newton's laws of motion, we have this idea of uh, like Newton's laws work great with things like baseballs. Right. But when you start getting into really small things like atoms and electrons and protons and all these little itty bitty things, Mm-hmm. Newton's laws break really badly. Um, they, 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 they don't work like little baseballs and bullets that are zipping around. It, it actually, um, w- when we start to peek into that world, uh, some really weird stuff starts to happen. And so basically mm-hmm. quantum physics is the study of those very unusual things um, in the teeny tiny little universe that sort of makes up our, our reality. Um, so anyway, just to give you one example of this, right, is how does light work? Well, light is very interesting. If you start to fire little light particles, which are called photons, um, through a couple of slits onto a wall, you actually get mm-hmm. this interesting interference pattern. So imagine if you have, like if you stick one foot in a pool and start splashing around, you're going to make some waves. And then if somebody else sticks their foot in the pool next to you and starts splashing around, they're going to make some waves. And the waves are going to intersect with each other. And they're actually going to interfere with each other, where sometimes they bolster each other and you get a high wave. And sometimes like the low part of one wave hits the high part of another wave and it just sort of flattens out into nothing in just that one spot. Well, light actually does this. And when you Mm -hmm. shine light through two little slits, it's like those two sources of the, of that splashing. And it actually causes like bright, dark, bright, dark, bright, dark spots on the back wall that you're shining the light toward. 
So kind of this right. weird thing, like, oh, hey, these photons act like they're waves, like energy waves, electromagnetic mm-hmm. waves that are, that are going. So, so that's sort of interesting. Um, but, but here's where it gets even more interesting. If you do the same thing with electrons, it behaves the exact same way. And really? here's the other thing. Yeah, yeah. Electrons have mass, though, but they act like energy waves when you, when you fire them through these two slits. And here's the other thing that's interesting. If you do it one at a time, where there's not like two waves interfering with each other, it still does the same thing. You fire one, and then fire another one, and then fire another one, and then when you calculate how, where all of them landed when you're done, it makes the same interference pattern. And this works with electrons too. One electron going through the two slits interferes with itself somehow. Right. And yes, this wow. is creepy. <laughs> very, very creepy. Yes, yes, it is. So, so, and, and you know, I am going somewhere with this that, that has to do tying back something to the Bible, but it's just, you know, th- these are some of the weird things that, that happen. Um, and here's the thing, like, it even works with large molecules. They put these molecules together called buckyballs, which they're like teeny tiny little soccer balls. And they do this, mm-hmm. ex- that experiment with those it still shows wave interference. Hmm. So, yeah, it's like soccer balls. All right. Turning into energy waves, and you fire one of them at a time, and it's sort of like it flashes off of itself and creates this weird pattern yeah. on the back wall. That's not what oh, we wow. would expect to happen. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, so anyway, if anybody wants to, do- to YouTube a double split experiment, you can get your mind bent on YouTube. It's really fun. Um, so, so here, here's where this sort of ties into some interesting things because somebody put together an experiment to see if, to see how this, you know, if this could tell them something about how some things work. So there's a thing that you can do with photons, which is kind of cool. It's called entangling them, which means that whatever happens to one photon is going to happen to the other photon. There's, there's a, there's a link between them. And so what they did is they fired two entangled photons and they fire one straight at a wall. And then they fire mm-hmm. the other one through a series of mirrors. So it bounces all around. And then it either goes straight into a wall or it goes through two slits. And it's sort of a 50, 50 chance as to which way it's going to go. And they don't know how it's going to work ahead of time. But right. when they measure later, Every single entangled photon they fired straight at the wall where its partner bounced through a slit some time later always showed an interference pattern. And it hit the wall before the decision was made as to where the other photon was going to go. Which means that, like, causality is going backwards in time somehow. Wow. And this has been something that they have stressfully, like, tried and verified that this happens. And here's one, they've come up with a few different weird explanations, but here's one that they've come up with that I thought was pretty interesting. Since we just cannot accept that the information is traveling back in time from one photon to the other, it may be that the path of the photon was determined ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Which, to me, makes me think of what it says in Ephesians 1 about God works out all things according to his purpose. I mean, right, you right, right. scroll saying, you know, there's not even a single molecule that is not under God's direct yep. control. 
And I would say, well, apparently, according to physics, there's not even a single photon that's outside God's control because apparently this (laughs) photon was predestined to go a certain way. I mean, there's really, like, very difficult to come up with a better explanation than that in in this situation, which I just thought was fascinating. And again, I'm, that is, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of visual stuff, and and seriously, like you should watch some videos on the double slit experiment um, because it it really will help you to visualize a little bit what's going on. So if everything I said sort of goes over everybody's head, just remember double slit experiment and physics and God is sovereign, and you pretty much get the gist. Um, <laughs> but I, I just, right. but seriously, I just think that's amazing that you know even it, it really is the boundaries. Like God, God's hand is showing up there. Wow, that is that's really amazing. Uh, because I mean, like you said, it, it all boils down to God being sovereign, you know. Uh, and and the, the the smallest of details. That's just that's mind blowing, bro. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, just you know, um, and, and you know, as you get into this stuff, it's just there's some mind-blowing things that, that they're discovering when they look into this this universe. It's mm-hmm. just so tiny. And, and the more they break it down, the more they're finding amazing things. And it's just like this right. never-ending box of complexity and, and amazing stuff. And you're like, yeah, God put this together. This did not just all happen. <laughs> right, right, right. Not cause that. Not, not by universe. Right, right, right. Yeah, you got to give me some of those links, man. We'll put them in the the show description. Uh, pick like some of the best ones. Uh, maybe you know, you know, ones talking about what we're talking about, so we can put them in the show description so the people can uh, click on them and watch them. And uh, yeah. especially the YouTube ones, definitely, definitely get those to me, um, yeah, so I can watch them myself. For one, for yeah. one. So uh, okay, man. Uh, I guess what. You tell me what direction you want to go next, man. Uh, are we we ready right. to start? Well, go ahead. Got a, got a couple more. Got a couple more if we if go we ahead. got some time. Um, so oh, we do, man. We do. Yeah. So so there's this idea, right? So we talked a little bit about how you know photons and and even electrons and protons and all these different tiny little particles. They pretty much act like waves of energy when you when you really mm-hmm. start to examine them closely, right? So that sort of developed into this idea called quantum field theory. And basically it's this idea that every particle has its own field and Mm -hmm. every particle is essentially like an excitation in a field, which means it's a, it's a little wave, a little, a little jiggle in that field somewhere. So, you know, imagine like, you know, a field would be like the surface of a lake and, where an electron would be, there's like a ripple right there, you know, or maybe like a three dimensional guitar string or something. And when you pluck it, you get, there's an electron there in the electron field where it got plucked. And that's where the electron is. Right. Um, and then all of these fields are sort of piled on top of each other and interact with each other. And that's sort of what creates all of reality <laughs> mm-hmm. it is, is basically mm-hmm. just like this overlapping series of fields with these different vibrations in them that form everything. All of matter is formed by these excitations in these different fields. And I thought, you know, this is really interesting stuff because when we speak, it causes vibrations in the air. 
Right, right. When God speaks, it just causes vibrations in the reality, man. Everything just mm. became. Wow. So, I don't know. I Again, not saying that's a hard connection. It's definitely absolutely true, but I just found that interesting. If all of matter and all of reality is essentially vibrations in these different fields, wow, maybe mm-hmm. that's just like the voice of God right there. Yeah, that's real. That's real. But don't don't let a charismatic get a hold of that boy. God spoke it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and now we're gonna, hey, we gonna no. speak it. That is something only God can do. If you can create an electron by speaking, then I will look forward to, to getting you. You know, I will split the Nobel Prize with you. Let's take that to a lab right now. <laughs> Call me up. You know, contact the show. Contact us on our page if you can create electrons. Next citations in in a, in a field by speaking and then that's awesome. We will definitely want to get in touch with you. Um, but I'll tell you what, I don't think that's going to be happening anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, man. I can, I can hear it already, Jay. I can hear it already. God spoke the vibration of the, of the current situation. And, and when you speak, the speaker vibrates, that vibration is sending forth the anointing. The <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I can hear it, Jay. I can hear it, man. I know it. Yeah. I know it's coming. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> I know, man. I know. I know. Oh, oh man. We can only vibrate air molecules. That's, that's about as far as we get. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah, man. I know. Exists. Exactly, 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 man. That's good. That's we're, good. But I, you, you know, you know, I know. Vibrating the fabric of the universe, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, come on, Jay. God did it. We can do it too, right? Ain't that what they say? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not a good direction uh, to go. In. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's oh, a definite oh, church creator barrier there that we are not going to be jumping over ever. That that's that's so true. That's so true, man. I had to throw that out there, man. I couldn't resist. You, you, you had me. Uh. You just derailed all of my physics into that stuff. And now I'm just like, oh my gosh! All my IQ points just went down the drain right now. <laughs> I said I messed up the physics. Hey, I, hey, I told you, bro. I told you. I told you. That's funny. Oh man. So let, let's go, right. man. Let's go. Get back focused. Get back focused. All right. All right. All right. So so so. One more thing, and this one, this one is actually something that that um, that I I'm I'm pretty sure I'm not the first one to pick up on this, just based on what we're talking mm-hmm. about. Um, but it's it's called the Higgs field. Now, remember we were talking about that quantum field theory. So the question started right. to arise with with the quantum field: if everything is just all these wiggles in these fields, why do photons not have mass and electrons do? Because they behave very differently. And, you know, here's the thing about mass. Mass is sort of the thing that slows stuff down. If something doesn't have mass, it literally just goes as fast as it's possible to go, which is the speed of light. That's why light goes that fast, because that's the speed limit of the universe. If you dig into quantum physics, you'll discover very quickly that you just can't go any faster than that. It's really, literally impossible. Um, So... Why don't electrons travel that fast? Well, the theory that's been put forward and has at least, you know, they've very recently, like within the last few years, actually discovered a particle that is the excitation in this particular field. 
But the theory is that electrons actually interact with what's called the Higgs field. And they do this by essentially giving energy to the Higgs field and receiving energy from the Higgs field. And every time they do this, it changes the spin of the electrons because the electrons are always spinning around, kind of like mm-hmm. or, orbiting teeny tiny little planets or something. So right. every time they do this, it changes their spin, and this actually slows them down. It's like trying to walk through some kind of mushy substance, you know, it's like snow. And, you know, and I actually had a good feeling of trying to walk through, just like slogging along. So that's mm-hmm. pretty much what the electron is like, whereas the, uh, you know, the photon is like, I don't know, walk through snow, I got a snowmobile, man. I'm just, boom, <laughs> off it goes. Um, so, so the electron is slogging through this thing, um, to the field, and they, and like I said, they literally just discovered, and it's sort of been a big deal in the physics community in, you know, in super recent, you know, months and whatnot, that they found the, what they call the Higgs boson, which is the particle that would be associated with the field. Um, but here's the thing. If that field didn't exist, electrons would run off at the speed of light. If that mm-hmm. happens, well, everything that you are is made of atoms, and atoms are made of electrons. And if all those electrons decide to head straight through the edge of the universe as fast as anything in the universe can go, that's really bad for you. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so it's sort of interesting that there is this universal energy field that is literally everywhere, literally holding all matter together. What does that sound like? God is upholding the universe. That's God. That's right. His hand is on it. here's the thing. Wow. And just to prove that I'm not the first one to make this connection, Google the God particle. The first thing that comes up is the Higgs boson. So I am not Mm. the first one to make this connection. (laughs) Right, right, right. Wow. Wow, that's 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 dope, man. That's dope. You got me sweating, man. I'm in the. I'm already in the studio closet, and uh, and 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 it's already not that air conditioned in here. But with all this knowledge and sciences, got me sweating, man. <laughs> but right. it's good. I, I love it. I got one more bit of speculation for you here. If if uh, if you can go ahead, man. I, I think I can thing. handle it. All right. Yep, I think I can so, handle it. We, we've just gone through. We've just gone through field theory and Higgs boson, and so now I got a little bit, a little bit more speculation here because I found it sort of interesting. If you think about the Higgs field and what would happen if that were to be turned off, mm-hmm. what would happen if that was turned off is you've got all these particles that have some mass that interact with that. All of a sudden losing their mass, but here's the thing. Electrons would lose their mass, and they would run off at the speed of the universe. But if you look at an atom, the amount of mass in an atom that is actually electron mass, or even the protons and the neutrons, is actually a very, very small fraction of the mass of that atom. Most of that mass... Have you you ever heard the formula E equals mc squared? That's energy course, equals uh, mass times the speed of light squared, right? Einstein's like famous. Einstein, yeah, Einstein, yep. Squares. 
and you know, they may not know anything about it, but here's the thing. That is where most of the masses, most of everything comes from. If the Higgs field was turned off, yeah, those things would lose the mass of the electrons and the electrons would fire off, but then nothing would really be holding those atoms together anymore because they're all made of protons which are positively charged and all the electrons mm -hmm. that are holding them in are gone, so the protons all leave and then all of the energy stored in those atoms gets released and that's really bad. If you want to know what that looks like, thank Hiroshima. Mm, gotcha. That's, that's the, the bombs, though, right? <laughs> yeah. That, there's a reason why they call it an atomic bomb, because that's what happens yeah, when you release atoms. lots of energy from an atomic nucleus all at the same time. Um, I, I wondered it, that. <laughs> yeah. There, there is a reason why they call it that, and, and that's the process that they use to blow up the bomb is they break apart a really unstable nucleus and it releases a whole lot of energy all at once. And that's just it breaking down from a large nucleus to a small one. Imagine if the whole nucleus broke apart all at once. Um, that would be a lot worse. So I was thinking about that. What, what in the Bible talks about the elements will melt with great heat? Huh. Ah, eschatology. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, 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 wow. Okay, okay. If if the if if the Higgs boson and the Higgs field is actually what God is sustaining to sustain the universe, and He were to turn that off, every element mm. on the periodic table would literally disassociate from itself, and all of its particles would immediately leave and the energy contained therein would be released, and there would be great heat everywhere in great the universe. <laughs> wow. That's deep, bro. So again, That's... super speculative here, <laughs> and again, not committing to this, but I just found that right. sort of interesting, that you can see these things that are sort of consistent with Scripture as you dig into it. And, you know, we don't know this for sure, but it's kind of interesting to go, huh, okay. <laughs> That could very well happen, you know, and, and there's good, solid physical, you know, processes. That if God decides I'm turning the universe off now, that's what would happen. Wow. That is ridiculous, man. But it makes sense. Like, <laughs> it, it, it definitely lines up. Wow. Wow. I, Jonathan, you blow my mind, sir. Good grief. Good grief. Good stuff. So, uh, I guess anything you want to say to, uh, I guess, to kind of maybe generalize, you know, kind of an outro, what you want to say before I come through and and uh, and, and Butterfinger it all up? <laughs> well, I would just say that I would really encourage anyone that is struggling with, can I really believe the Bible, to please don't be scared of human science because essentially a lot of where science tries to throw itself against the Bible is literally just people that are trying to suppress the truth. And they don't have any more valid reason for doing that than any pagan in all of creation ever did, whether they were worshiping Baal or whether they're worshiping Darwin or whatever they're doing. So there's right. really no reason for us to be afraid of any kind of intellectual challenge. Um, and, you know, we're going to be, you know, 
validating the end, essentially. So, um, Amen. you know, trust God, be in the word, use it consistently. It is a powerful weapon, and it is all that we really need. And while this other science stuff is a lot of fun, and I love it, um, it has nothing on God's word. And that's all that we really need to, to be living off of. Yes, sir. That's good, man. That's good, man. I want to shout out the uh, my my live Instagram people, uh, Pastor Greg and and uh, my man Edwin. Uh, I, I turned on Instagram live uh, about three quarters of the way through, and I know it's kind of weird, but uh, shout out to you guys when you hear this on the podcast, your your voices on the podcast. But we've been blessed by a brother that's on my team. You know, you make me proud to say that you're on my team, John, because this was really good. Uh, the way you uh, uh, show these these different sides, man, and, and like I said, for people like me that that you know never gave a hoot about science, just knew you had to have it to graduate, knew I had to to take the class to play ball. You know, that's that was the start and finish. You know, <laughs> like, like well, I I got I got to play, I got to I got to I got to take science. To play ball, okay, all right, I, I'll take it then. That, that's that's the only reason why I took it. So I, I really want to uh, thank you, man, for putting this all together, man. So well organized, so uh, it, it all rolled together smooth, man. Y'all, you guys should see these notes, man. Good stuff. Um, and I just want to thank you personally, Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan, we're gonna we're gonna have him uh, come on more, and then we're going to do some things. We got some things in the future lined up, uh, for, for Jay, uh, being part of our team, man. And, and just wanted to, to salute you on that. Uh, also you guys, uh, uh, the website, by the time you hear this should be up. If it's not, everybody call my wife. No, I'm just playing. Don't do that. Don't call my wife. Uh, I don't want to get beat up and I do want to sleep in my bed. So anyway, hopefully website is up by now. Uh, and you guys can check out the archives of the old, uh, uh, bar episodes. Also, uh, get you a t-shirt. The bar t-shirts are available. You now can get you a bar t-shirt. And when you get the t-shirt, take a picture and, uh, tag us in it. Let us see it. Uh, you find the links right now on Facebook and Instagram, uh, you can get you a bar T-shirt and represent your favorite podcast. Also, big shout out to the rest of the team, the Be Not to See team, uh, everybody that uh, that's holding it down all through the week, all during the week, uh, and 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 we just excited about that, man. And Jonathan, if nothing else, man, you good? Yeah, I think we pretty much covered it. I mean, we went from creation to the heat death of the universe, so I think we got it all covered. <laughs> yes, sir. For creation to, 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 to the to the heat death. I, I can dig it. So, with all that being said, man, appreciate you again, Jonathan. God bless you guys for uh, tuning in to the Bar Mission Chicken Side every Tuesday. We're also on Facebook, search Biblical Reform, and on Twitter and Instagram, uh, the bar underscore podcast. And that's about it, y'all. Grace and peace. We out. All right, Jay.
What's up, bar listeners? It's finally here, the bar exclusive content. Yes, that's right. You can sign up to receive exclusive content as low as $2 a week or $5 a month, $50 for the year to get exclusive content. What is the exclusive content? I'm glad you asked. The exclusive content is additional information from my guests, extra time with them in like the green moon setting, laid back, them asking me questions, I ask them questions, and also the Facebook group. You get a invitation to the Facebook group where we will have discount codes for the bar gear and many, many more. Make sure you sign up. The link's in the show notes. Join the VIP inside the bar group and we'll see you there.